All right, and we're live. Uh, welcome to Stacking Mondays, everyone. Um, Stacking Mondays is a weekly show to share specific knowledge from the stacking industry leaders with our community, powered by stackingrewards.com. And at Stacking Rewards, we're helping investors to navigate the landscape of yield generating digital assets and finding the best opportunities to earn interest on your crypto. My name is Mirko, and I'm extremely excited to welcome today's guest, Brian Hoffman. Welcome on the show. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Cool, great. Um, just like a, a, a icebreaker question, we always ask our guests, um, what was the first investment you made outside of Bitcoin and Ethereum? You know, uh, it's funny. Uh, I invested in Bitcoin and then I had an opportunity to get in on the, uh, the early offering for Ethereum and I passed up on it like an idiot uh, and then eventually did buy it. But I guess the next one that I bought, uh, I believe was... Um, I think it was Monero. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting coin. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it continues to is, I think. Um, cool. Um, so um, like right now, you are a product manager at uh, Kraken uh, for crypto funding, and you are responsible for coordinating the listings of new crypto assets on Kraken. Um, and uh, yeah, talking to all the relevant teams and so on. And you also brought like the... Um, yeah, recently launched the parachain auctions on Kraken. Um, but um, your your background is like um, from like an independent marketplace. I don't know who who everyone still remembers at the Open Bazaar. Um, so you've been the the founder and CEO there. Um, how was this journey for you? Like how how did you first like get started with Open Bazaar, and then how um, did it happen that you are now product manager at Kraken? And yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like a weird, a weird transition. But, you know, actually before Open Bazaar, back in like, you know, before 2014, when we started that project, I, I was like a government consultant, IT consultant doing cybersecurity work for uh, for a large corporation. And then, you know, I left that world in order to work on Open Bazaar. It was just a side project at the time, but we managed to get fundraising from uh, Andreessen Horowitz and Union Square Ventures, which was incredible and uh, life-changing opportunity for sure. And uh, yeah, I mean, we built Open Bazaar, which was like a peer-to-peer -peer decentralized marketplace for non-virtual goods using Bitcoin. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, we did that for about six years and it, it was a challenge. And then as we started to get to the point where we needed to raise more money, it became obvious after dozens of meetings with uh, kind of more substantial, in, in, you know, investment, you know, companies, not just small risk taking VCs, uh, that 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 model of having something that was like censorship resistant and you know anonymous and all this stuff, it was kind of a scary proposition for for those investors, and it just it wasn't happening. Um, and so, you know, the team had been doing this for quite a while. We were running out of money and then, you know, it just made sense for us to, to kind of go and do different things. And so, um, you know, during the process of kind of like unwinding the business and trying to figure out where we would want it to land, we had had discussions with Kraken about potentially maybe joining, you know, as a company. Um, and it didn't work out, but we got to know the business and I, I think what Kraken is doing and has been doing is, is just super fascinating. And I think the ethos of that business, along with ours previously, matched up really, really nicely. I'm really happy to be here. That's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, Kraken is one of the first exchanges around, I think, like 
already operating since 2012 or something, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, um, but definitely one of the, the real uh, OG exchanges still, still around really. So, so that's um, pretty, pretty cool. And then like did more team members move over to Kraken from OpenBazaar? Yeah, I mean, uh, I will say there's there's more than me, but like uh, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> we don't, I mean, the interesting thing about this business is, is like we really take our security and privacy like seriously, and so there's mm -hmm. only very few people that are actually publicly facing at the business. So um, you know, and I'm one of those um, that is lucky enough to be able to talk about my work there. But um, we have a lot of really really great people, hardworking people that don't even you know aren't really able to talk about what they're doing. But uh, for for everybody's safety and security. Um, so it's an interesting environment for sure. Cool, cool, amazing. Um, so yeah, I wanted to use the uh, this episode to talk a little bit about crypto marketplaces with your background from Open Bazaar and uh, exchange staking in general. Um, so far, we've seen the rise of marketplaces for crypto assets in general, like uh, yeah, general trading, like Kraken, and uh, for also for non fungible assets like OpenSea and so on. Um, do, what, what do you think will come next um, in terms of like what will be traded um, for like what, what will be the next big marketplaces like music, gig economy or like, yeah, what, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think um, obviously NFTs is a, a really hot topic right now. And uh, most of that is centered around kind of like, you know, just virtual media. So animated GIFs and like 3D videos and things like that. I mean, and most of this is propagated by like OpenSea, you know, having such a large majority of the market share there that what they do is kind of what people see as NFTs. But I think in the future, we're really going to start seeing uh, a much more expansive role for NFTs to play. Um, you know, the, the idea of a non-fungible token uh, can represent many different things. And in fact, I think mm -hmm. one of the most interesting pieces of where it could go is really tying it into real world assets. Um, it's kind of the convergence of the digital and the real world. I mean, I spent like six to seven years working on Open Bazaar trying to get people to use crypto to buy real world goods. And it seemed like people were kind of resistant to that. And digital goods have made sense a lot. But now there's potential for people to purchase digital goods, which are very frictionless, and then use them for like real world activities. So say if you're going to a sporting event, perhaps you buy a, uh, you know, an NFT for your favorite football team. But it also gets you access to a game or to some kind of special event or it gets you some kind of perks, you know, somewhere else in the, the kind of sporting ecosystem. And I think that that will be just growing and growing and growing over time. Um, so the idea that just like collectibles and kind of like this like Beanie Baby perception that people have of NFTs will definitely expand music, sports. I mean, there's just so many different areas that this can go. And then on the kind of more... Um, you know, mundane side, some people might think if you're into sports and music is, you know, taking NFTs and, um, you know, having them represent property, you know, uh, ownership, uh, deeds, um, different areas like that. And then perhaps even fractionalizing them, which, you know, splitting them up into parts so that people can, um, you know, turn these into like almost like securities. It just goes on and on and on the potential there. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, I think there's a lot of potential for NFTs and it can go way beyond um, like just art in general. Um, but as you say, like property and everything. Um, 
but like on on the other side like do you think there can still be like a, a marketplace that's focused on non-virtual assets similar to like open bazaar back in the days like a, a kind of decentralized amazon is there still um like a, a just a blockchain based marketplace um for anything that's also non-virtual um can we can we see that again what, what do you think It's a tough question. I mean, certainly we've tackled some of the problems I think that early on we had. I mean, I remember in 2014 when we first were going to conferences and kind of shopping the idea around. Um, I remember a very young Vitalik uh, <laughs> walking up to me and my co-founder with his dad, um, you know, and asked the question. He said, you're pricing all of your physical goods in, in a cryptocurrency that fluctuates in price. Like, what are you going to do there? And just that simple question, which was very difficult early on, now can be solved with stable coins and, and all of these other you know things that, that we have available at our fingertips that are just kind of like commonplace now. They're not like unique or novel at all. Um, but uh, it's still we still haven't really gotten past the problem of like people want to hold on to crypto and they only really relinquish it if there's an investment opportunity, right? Like a, a profit a profit capturing opportunity. And when you're selling goods, I don't, you know, it's not necessarily there. Like you're not, most people don't want to give up their Bitcoin or their Ether in order to buy a t-shirt because mm -hmm. they feel like Bitcoin and Ether are going to be worth more tomorrow. And now that t-shirt is a, a $20,000 t-shirt. Um, and, and NFTs are different because people are flipping NFTs and they're, they're you know, putting them back up on OpenSea. Um, and so there's that profit op opportunity. So I... I think when we get to a place where cryptocurrencies are actually being used as like real money, um, then this may be more viable. But for now, it still seems like it's there's some some resistance there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, th there are like non-virtual things that can appreciate in value also like uh, like classical art and everything. But I guess mm -hmm. that can be represented by NFTs nowadays mostly as well. Um, yeah, I, I think yeah. that's the convergence that we spoke about earlier. It's like, I think that those worlds will actually collide and create um, something more fascinating than just buying art online. I mean, this this piece of art above me, you know, bought, but, you know, it's like, imagine it has a wallet in it or it had some kind of extra perks mm -hmm. for, for purchasing that or the artist gets royalties, you know, maybe crypto graffiti gets like royalties because of my purchase and when I sell it subsequently. So I think there's a lot more uh, interesting use cases that will come along for sure. Yeah, yeah. And like with your role at Kraken, like do, do you at Kraken um, plan on offering any uh, trading or exchanging of, of other items? Like uh, for example, NFTs or like even non-virtual assets, like anything really, um, like music, NFTs and so on. Um, can you imagine building that into Kraken? I mean, I, you know, obviously we don't have anything to announce officially today, but I mean, you can think that, I mean, people would have to be dumb to not be thinking about the potential here for different business, you know, how your business could, could be involved with NFTs. I mean, we're seeing FTX and others dive into this head first, and we have a lot of strong thoughts about it. Um, you know, Jesse, our CEO, you know, has already previously said in interviews that, you know, we're very serious about doing that and, and we're interested in doing it. Um, and we certainly have the capabilities to do it in house for sure. So, uh, I, I guess I would just say, stay tuned, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
And I, I think like, I, I mean, you are like at a pretty huge advantage compared to everyone from traditional finance, like banks uh, and, and so on, really, because you are already into this like digital world, which, which is evolving now with like NFTs and metaverse and so on. Um, and there, there's going to be huge opportunities for you guys um, to position yourself in that even more, I guess. Um, but like, who do you think are your... Uh, competitor counterparts in the traditional economy and 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 finance and um do you think they they can keep up with you guys or will they actually be competitors to you or um how, how do you see that well i mean i think uh there are some clear differences between the traditional finance world and kind of what we're trying to do you know and then there's you can even go further and in, in decentralized finance there's like a lot of differences but you know purely uh what we're seeing in like the the crypto market is that we have like much much stronger like um transparency and availability around what we offer so like you know traditional markets close i mean that's just like already like a weird thing that is completely different about crypto markets. In fact, mm. um, you know, back in February, we put out like this, um, this, this big report, uh, and I can share the link with you guys. But um, this Kraken intelligence report that basically goes down exactly this, it like explains exactly why the crypto markets are so much further ahead of traditional finance markets and all of this. I mean, you could just go down, you could just go down a rabbit hole of like all the differences, right? Like, I mean, just in terms of settlement times, and uh, the ability to do trades at any given time during the day. And, you know, and then also you got like a lot of the kind of shadiness around some of these, these businesses, you know, like all of the, um, the, the, you know, controversy around Robin hood and, and them, you know, selling front running access to, <laughs> to other firms, you know, but you know, that's, that's the way these businesses have to operate. Uh, I think in the crypto world, like it or not, we're actually like, held to very tight scrutiny around regulatory issues and things like that because we're just top of mind and there's just so much money and interest flowing into the marketplace. So I think um, there's a lot of like really, really great benefits to the crypto market. Um, it's not without its risks, obviously. You know, we hear about like weird stuff going on, but, you know, I think that's part of innovation and the evolution of a new industry is that you're going to have uh, things that succeed, some things that fail, people that take too too far of a risk. But, you know, Kraken really prides itself on doing a lot of the due diligence necessary to bring products that we really feel like are trustworthy and secure. I mean, security is like our first, like it's, it's of utmost importance to us as a business. And we don't we don't sacrifice that for anything. Yeah, that's great. And I, I mean, if you have the, the same standards like banks and so on have in the traditional finance um, and you bring that to the new economy of uh, of crypto, um, then that's definitely like a, a great advantage within the new economy, really. Um, yeah. And yeah, like covering all, all of this or like with your position, um, like where, where do you see the role of uh, crack more exchanges in general for the staking ecosystem and why why should people decide to stake with kraken uh in, instead of their own wallet for example and um what, what's your strategy there and where do you think is, is your role as like a, a proof of stake validator of networks as well yeah i mean i think early on you know back when there wasn't really much of a uh much proof that proof of stake could actually succeed. I think a lot of people debated 
the merits of even having a proof of stake system. I, I think that those days are long gone. I think it's been proven that this is like a, a an industry that's here to stay and it's growing significantly. I mean, just a, at our business alone, I mean, before, before I joined in 2020, uh, we only had several assets and they weren't really like that substantial amount of our, our business. But at this point, you know, the last 18 months have just been like ridiculous. And we still haven't really onboarded that many assets. We added like ETH, um, Cardano, and then like the Polkadot Kusama, uh, as well as Solana. And and those have just been crushing it. I mean, we, I think we just crossed like $11 billion worth of staking assets under management, which is just an incredible amount of uh, interest and business. And it's growing like hand over fist. So, um, you know, and then also... I think right when I joined, which was late last year, we began the uh, Ethereum 2 staking. And mm. we are super happy that we are like the number one centralized uh, staking uh, holder for, for ETH, which is, it's incredible. We were really excited to be able to have that role. Um, and I know that Lido and stuff is like starting to, you know, pass us, but um you know, just to be out there in front and to show our support for that community. And we've done like some grants for the ETH community. We're like, we're really excited about the potential opportunities for Ethereum 2.0 and, and that proof of stake network. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge part of our business and, uh, we take it very seriously. Yeah. Oh, and then, yeah, you know, great. I, I know you oh, asked yeah. about what, what, like why people would stake on the platform. I, I didn't really answer that. Um, you know, my opinion is just that, it's it's a combination of of ease of use and uh security and trustworthiness i mean i think people are fine to say fire up polka.js and you know do staking or do parachain auctions or whatever it is but you have to understand it you have to protect your keys you have to like keep up with software updates there's a lot of things that are really hard for users that um the average person just won't even like touch it with a 10-foot pole right like and uh, to come to Kraken where you're already investing or trading or, or holding and be able to do it right there, it's it's just, it's it's a no-brainer. Yeah, that's great. Um, I think you've definitely been at the at the right time and place uh, launching your Ethereum solution there uh, just in time. Um, and uh, it's been great. Big, big love for staking. Uh, I mean, like this is um, what we do for a living. Um, and great to, to see you guys in, involved there as well. Um, like, do, do you also uh, participate in, in governance or anything or like do, do anything beyond um, just validating for the for the users or like, yeah? Yeah, I mean, that's that's an interesting question because, um, you know, I think traditionally we've had so much going on that like our staking offering was actually rather kind of vanilla um, mm -hmm. and and, you know, in terms of governance building out an interface or a capability for people to be able to do participate in governance through our validators and things is, is not something we had on our roadmap, but, um, uh, but now like, uh, we're, we're thinking hard about how we could do that. I mean, traditionally we just, um, essentially we, the only participation in governance that we do is that we just like abstain from votes so that we're just mm -hmm. like not interfering. Um, if there's a situation where like they really need us to participate, that's something that we would like internally consider. And for the future, we'd love to be able to have like some kind of governance mechanism for people to participate. It's been asked for a lot, uh, but, you know, obviously nothing firm to announce. 
Yeah, no, that's that's great to hear. Um, so, like, you you have like all the the biggest proof of stake assets already, and how do you decide which assets um, or which tokens you list on Kraken in general, and like which ones do you support staking for as well? Like, what are your criteria kind of, and and how do you choose them? And do you have like a a research team, or um, what's the process like? Um, for a token project to get listed on, on Kraken and also to get uh, a staking offering on Kraken. Yeah, I was actually really surprised when I joined. We just have a big hat and we reach in and we pick one out and whatever that one is, that's the one. <laughs> the rest of it. No, um, but in seriousness, um, it's, it's a pretty complex process and we're trying to improve it. Uh, I don't know if people have noticed, but we're listing assets like quicker than we ever have before. And I think um, part of our strategy here is just that we want to be able to get as many, um, you know, worthwhile assets available to people as quickly as possible. Be there on day one if we can. Um, but in terms of how we list, I mean, there's a bunch of criteria. It's, you know, but mostly we want to be able to create a situation where traders have enough liquidity and uh, opportunity uh, to create value for themselves. So um, and then we look for interesting projects with teams that are that are doing uh, things that we think are long lasting. We're, you know, I, I think it's tempting to go and rush out like Shiba Inu or some other coin. It's like the meme of the day. But, you know, and, and those are obviously considered along with any other tokens. We, we don't really we're not biased in that respect. But we look for things that have uh, a lot of potential and promise for the future. We don't want our customers to be burned any more than anybody else wants to be burned right so we're always looking out for them yeah exactly yeah and i mean it's also an investment for you guys if you integrate something um if it performs well um then it's good for you obviously um yeah yeah i mean cool. sometimes we want to list things but from an engineering perspective they're very difficult to get out the door mm -hmm. quickly or perhaps there's legal challenges that we have to look at closely or you know there's like a myriad of reasons why things may come come out quicker than others. Uh, we get emails, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails every day for people like, why aren't you doing this? Why haven't you done that sooner or quicker? You know, it's just, we, we hear it. Um, and it's all part of the uh, process. Yeah, of course. Um, all, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a matter of focus um, and uh, getting things right um, and not just do everything, but rather, um, as you say, focus on security and ease of use. That's probably like the, the key thing to focus on. Um, and yeah, like I, are you, um, or like you, you launched the um, Parachain auction offering on Kraken directly. Are you planning to offer any more staking or yield, yield farming or general yield opportunities similar to this Parachain thing or anything outside of the classical staking? Yeah, I mean, I can't tell you what assets that we want to like reveal, but, uh, you know, we're definitely going to have more staking assets. Yes, it's like it's, it's a very important part of our business. We're looking at doing that. So, um, like I said, you know, stay tuned on that. Um, as far as parachain auctions go, I mean, the cool thing about parachain auctions is that, you know, the auctions are one piece of it, but the rewards usually are like a parachain asset, which is a token itself that can be listed for trading. And then beyond that, some of those have built-in staking mechanisms. So we may even see, you know, parachain asset staking providing, you know, like there's a lot, there's a lot that uh, is left to do. So it's, it's a huge open field right now. 
And uh, we're excited to do that. And also, like you said, um, around the governance and stuff, I mean, I think, uh, you know, we're interested in providing more expansive capabilities for people within the staking realm, not just, um, you know, just just basic yield. So and we have Mm -hmm. um, our brand new consumer uh, mobile app, uh, the Kraken app, which is like launched and has been like amazing over a million people using that already. And, um, you know, maybe someday we'll have like some kind of yield program there where, you know, people can participate or, you know, we're thinking about different kinds of ways that people can take advantage of um, staking and, and, and value. So uh, yeah, we're really excited about what the future holds for us. That's exciting. Yeah. I think there are like thousands of opportunities um, for staking and uh, crypto interest in general. Um, and if you can just uh, map some of them in Kraken or like only the best ones or the most secure ones, um, that's all already great. Um, and it helps for uh, adoption and getting people on board. And uh, yeah, this is what we um, always talk about as well. Like crypto interest is probably the, the main driver for like mainstream adoption as well, because the interest rates are like just so much more attractive in the crypto world compared to the uh, traditional world, um, and we're trying to map that at Second Rewards. Um, uh, we're trying to map most of them um, and uh, let users uh, decide it by themselves. Um, and uh, you guys obviously take it one step further and uh, also uh, offer this directly and uh, vet it like more for security and everything too. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward um, what you guys come up with as well um, on that side. And yeah. So I think that's been it for for most of the questions. Um, how can people follow you or learn more about you or Kraken in general? Well, obviously, uh, they can they can go to kraken.com and uh, find out everything that we're doing there. And the Kraken mobile app is a, is a huge, uh, awesome, good start. Um, as far as learning more about what's coming out, you can follow at KrakenFX on Twitter. And if you want to follow me for whatever reason, uh, I'm at Brian C. Hoffman. Um, for all, for all the crypto shenanigans over there, but, uh, I'm usually retweeting all the stuff that we're working on and going on. So, yep. Those are the best places to get us. Cool. Perfect. Thanks a lot for being on the show and, uh, guys, make sure to check out our previous episodes of Stacking Mondays. We had, uh, premier guests like, uh, Doak One and others on the show already. Uh, make sure to like, and subscribe the video and as always happy staking. <laughs>